like it and that Christmas for Christ and you'll know what to do with it. Psalm 91.1, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 5, for you shall not be afraid by the terror of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. Verse 7, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 will fall at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Can we raise our hands and thank him for the promise? Can you just tell him before you're seated, Lord, that's where I want to dwell. Can you tell him from your heart, Lord, help me to dwell there. Help me to grace me, Lord, to dwell there. In the name of the Lord, you can be seated. Thank you so much. Do not be weary in well-doing. I want to mention to something to our church and to your to individuals. Uh, your testing is not for your demise. And your testing is for a season. But understand, just keep faithful, keep diligent. Keep faithful, keep diligent, keep trusting the Lord. Keep faithful, keep diligent. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We began this last week in the church, the reset. Uh, and if you did not get a book and you want to participate, there's still a few remaining. They're right up here on the altar. If you want to get started, to get started tomorrow, pull it out, open it up. Just it's self-explanatory. It's very easy. We just started doing it as a body. If you're a few days behind, that's okay. Get on board when you can. They're $5. Just ask you to drop it in the giving, put it in your envelope, however you do, but just it costs us five bucks. We're just asking you to recoup that. But this reset that we are doing in this church, we have quoted Psalm 91.1, I think, in every service since November 12th. And this is not going away. I am telling you in this pulpit, if there's anything that I have felt more confident about, uh, or I feel confident about, it's this. This, what we're doing as a body, this reset, this refocus, this re-consecration is a God thing. And now I know that that gets thrown around a lot. But this is something that is going on in the body of Christ all over the country. It's not just a fad. And uh, I, I believe it is part of a pathway to success. There's 20 ingredients, if you will, in this reset that are focused upon, which I believe are all vital to a successful relationship with God. But if we do these things, these simple things, I have found in my experience, you come to dwell in the secret place. And I have said this before. I am convinced the secret place is the headwaters of all things kingdom. I believe the secret place is where relationship flows from. I'll say this and move on. Relationship doesn't flow from the corporate gathering. Please hear me. The corporate gathering and the power that moves in the corporate gathering is the result of all of the personal inflow that joins itself to another, making it a mighty river. You ever been to a, you ever been to a specific conference? Let me make this point and move on. Uh, yeah, you, if you go to Because of the Times 
Or if you go to a specific, go to family camp. Go to a specific event that is designed with everybody who's showing up there, they know why they're coming. And when you walk in the building, you just simply say, Jesus is Lord, and the Spirit starts moving. No prep work's needed. Hear me. No, no building it up is needed. No, no, no. Because you, when you walk in there, you know what's happened? Everybody who walks into that meeting is of the same mind and the same purpose, and they've got a personal walk with God that is flowing. So what happens in the corporate, it tells us where we are. It, it, what happens in the corporate is the result of where we are individually. So what I want to tell you, if we want to watch a mighty river flow in our corporate gatherings, whether it be a little church service like this or whether it be a, uh, something we do at a, a larger gathering, it's just really about personal relationships and what we get in the secret place. The secret place is where everything flows from. Gentlemen, you will not get from the corporate what God designed for you to have under the closed door of intimacy with him. It'll never happen. It'll never, ever happen. Now, relationship is foreign to, one, to, to most people today. Most people avoid relationships. It's a challenge for the church today. Most people avoid relationships with others. Uh, this generation in which we live, we don't seek out relationships. We don't, some of us don't even know our neighbors anymore. We used to be, uh, Brother Pace used to be, we used to go over and have coffee and sit, and now we just want to make sure our neighbor's leaves don't blow over into our lawn so we don't have to cause a, a problem, you know? And uh, we just, uh, it, it's different day that we live. Can I also say that that attitude has crept into the church and that we have kind of shunned away from the relationship with God? But I'm here to tell you, that is what he's looking for. That is what he wants. He wants you to know him intimately and personally. This week, I'm going to just simply give you a recap of Reset for this week. Can I just kind of share with you what my heart has been this week by going through this reset. I'm just going to share what the Lord put in my spirit this week by going through this reset. It started on day one, and it starts with desire. The word of the Lord in Psalms 27 and 4 said, David speaking, one thing, have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Just the reading of those words pricks my heart. It helps me to understand what it's all about. It is about hunger. It was about desire. And I know that in our society it can be difficult for many in America to grasp the concept of hunger. The concept of, of, of having something that just a void that cannot be filled. Because in America, we've got opportunity everywhere. We pretty much can get whatever we want. We're in a season, and don't read into what I'm saying. Please, somewhere around Thanksgiving, all right. Give me your gift list. Tell me what you want for that special day in, the, in, the, in December coming up when we get together and, and throw away a bunch of stuff we, met, we spent money on. I'm talking about the wrapping. Yeah, you know what you do? You give the list. 
Now, how many of you go, I'm giving the list, but I don't expect anything on my list? You see, we have a culture that says you just kind of give, you just give, give the list and you get the gift. Because almost in America, we can get just about anything that we want. Almost anywhere that you want to go when you leave this place today, you've got the resources to go that are just about whatever your heart desires. we got the means to resolve almost anything. And compared to 80% of the world, we really are on cruise control here in America. We, we just kind of coast. And we go, we, we, we don't, there's things going on in the world we have no concept of what's going on. But this condition, hear me, this condition of prosperity and this condition of being able to just about get what we want when we want it, it is a condition that can eat away at our spiritual hunger. It can eat away at our spiritual desire. And I was reminded this week in doing this reset of the scripture that said in Revelation, the first in verse number 17, it said, You say that I am rich and increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. The Lord speaking to one of the conditions of the church in the last generation. But in the midst of that atmosphere when people are saying, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I don't really need anything. He is, the verse number 20 comes in and he says, and in that atmosphere and in that condition, he said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I'll sup with him and he with me. I felt that in my spirit, Lord, I know that I've got many blessings here in America, but I'm still hungry for you. I've got a desire for you. And Lord, if you're at the door knocking, I want to open up. I want to open up. I want to come in and have a relationship with you. You see, Mary prophesied it this way in the writing of Luke when she said, The hungry will sit down to a banquet, and the callous rich are left in the cold. I don't want to have a rich spirit about me. I don't want to have, I'm increased with goods and I have need of nothing. You want to know the worst condition of the modern church or a modern individual in my book is anybody who walks in the building when the spirit of the Lord is present there and say, there's nothing for me here. Or this isn't enough to touch me where I'm at. Oh my goodness. Lord, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. Oh, let us walk into the building and in the midst of a cold and dark and world that's setting itself up to be God, I want to declare there ain't but one God. My spirit this week and on day one, it echoed what the prophet said. I've got a desire. I've got a hunger. And I really, Lord, only want one thing. I want you. I want you. I really only want one thing. You know what I've appreciated about you, Bishop? The Lord has blessed you with finance, and you've had cars, and you've had homes, and you've had property, but I've watched you all your life come into the presence of God and still recognize there's only one thing that matters. I still want the one thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
and I've watched you sell your properties and I've watched you sell the, the blessings and material things. I've watched you give those things away. But one thing I've never watched you do is stop your faithfulness to the house of God. I've never watched you stop seeking after God. I've watched you sell the things that God gave you. I've been without and I've gone without free lunches at school. We've had to have that under this man's regime. And I hope you don't feel embarrassed by that because in that time we trusted the Lord and God still provided because we desired not the blessing but the one thing. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom, for your desire being the one thing and that's him. Turn your eyes. I sang this to the Lord this week. I like to serenade it when I'm in the secret place. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. You see, I sing that to him and say, oh Lord, if I can just get my eyes on you, all that other stuff grows strangely dim. You know why it grows dim? Because there's only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that matters. Him, him, him. I want to dwell, Lord. I remember saying this to the Lord in my prayer closet. I want to dwell in the secret place. I want to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to sit, Lord, in the secluded place and have my audience with Jesus Christ. I've come to hear your voice. I want to behold your perfect law. I want to be covered in your peace. I'm hungry for God. And that was just day one. Wow, a lot can happen in 20 minutes. No, I wouldn't. I would. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to divulge my source because I wouldn't do anything to embarrass Sister Hoover. But Sister Hoover sent me a text and said, "Wow, wow, wow! I just got to share something with you." And shared about the secret place. And then she said, "And I think that we need to add a zero to that twenty minutes." You know what that is? You know what that zero? All depends. Do I put the zero before the two or after the other zero? If I'm hungry for God. Now, that doesn't mean if you don't want to pray 200 minutes, you're not hungry for God. No, 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 no. What it means is, is that the closer you get to him, the more you're going to want to be there. That's just day one. And then, of course, day two, we find that desire alone is not enough. That you can have a desire, but every one of us must decide. I had to sit in my chair like you sat in yours in your secret place. And I had to begin to understand that God, even though he gave me grace, and even though he gives me desires in my heart to seek after him, God also gave mankind the power to decide. He gives every one of us, not only do we have a desire, but we have the power to make decisions. And we have to understand that decisions determine the course of our life. Decisions determine your destiny. And I want to say this. I have found this in the secret place. I, did, I didn't understand it until I got in the secret place, but there's some secrets God shows you in the secret place. I have found this, that when I decide is when the grace of God jumps and links with my decision and helps me to do what I've decided. <laughs> 
The grace of God doesn't do it for you. The grace of God enables you to do it. And the grace of, this is what I found in the secret place, that if I have desire and I really make the decision and I do it, it's then that I find the grace of God to do it. I feel the grace of God empowering me. That's why you can't just talk about revival and talk about reconsecration. You got to go in your life and tear down the groves. You got to go tear down the idols that you built up. But when you decide to do it and you put on your work boat and says, hey, where are you going, king? I'm heading up into northern Israel and I'm tearing down the groves that, was, that, I, that religion has stood up. I'm tearing down the things that I've left in my life that ought not to be there. And I want you to know that when you make the decision, you put your belt on and you put one foot in front of the other, every step you take, the grace of God empowers you and enables you to do what needs to be done. Grace of God is not do it for us. The grace of God it comes to us when we decide, when we decide. Moses said this in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying your voice, obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life. Joshua then said, choose this day. You've got it all laid before you. Choose this day whom you will serve. You see, because there are options. There are options in our world of who we will serve and who will have our heart and who will have our energies and what, ha can I just say, oh my goodness, can I, can I give a warning to us? We have coasted for so long that what we don't realize that what's ahead of us is gonna require all of your, and can I just say this? We don't have time to be distracted with other things just to endure until the end is going to take your focus. It's gonna take laser you cannot serve two masters it's going to come time when you're going to cling to one and push away the other so can I say right now choose God choose him make the decision right now can I tell you that it's not upon us but what's happening is we're being squeezed into a place where you're going to come to a place where you're going to have to make two decisions. You're going to have to come in the valley of decision and you're going to have to decide which gods you will serve. Either the gods of the, of the, gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell or the gods of your forefathers on the other side of the flood. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And hear me, you will serve one. The Lord said you will serve one or the other. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve something else. Can I appeal to you out of the spirit of Joshua and as it was appealed to me? You're not experimenting with this thing. Oh, I beg of you. I beg it to appeal to you today. You're not sitting here experimenting with this. I want you to say that you're not giving this a try. I wonder if somebody can stand from at your feet right now and can you confess with your mouth, Lord, I'm not experimenting with this. I'm not just giving this a try. I'm not just giving this a try. I wonder if you can say in your spirit, no, Lord, I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I'm burning every bridge that would take me back. 
fighting, then I'm going to live for you. Don't just try this for five months because you, don't, you ain't promised you're going to live for five months. Don't just try this until the next thing. Every single day, wake up in the morning and decide, I'm going to choose him and decide nothing's going to come. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. And that's just day two. I have desire and I ask God for desire. But then I also understand that I must decide. But just having desire and deciding, well, that makes it all right. That's enough. Well, it might be enough for some things, but it's not enough for everything. Oh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have record of a woman who had a blood disease for 12 years. She spent everything that she had, but only grew worse. You see, that's what religion does to you. It makes you spend everything for the quote-unquote church. And I'm not talking about the assembly of God. I'm talking about the religious body. I'm talking about the corrupt situation of political systems in the church. I'm talking about the man-made stuff. Spend all you have, but, I'm t- but, but, but you don't find what you're looking for. You've got a desire and you've decided that you want to follow God, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of very sincere people that are sitting in religious systems today. But I'm telling you something. Let me tell you what's going to happen in the midst of those systems. They're going to hear of something that they've never really heard of, an experience with Jesus himself, not with the church, not with the most holy pope, not with the doctrine, not with the denomination, but they're going to hear that there's a man of Jesus that's working across town and they're going to show up and they've got a desire and they've made a decision to serve God but now it comes time to reach for him every once in a while you're going to have to reach for him you might have a desire to be here and you might have decided to come into this building but you want to know what will make a difference today is if somebody will reach out and touch him if somebody will make the decision I've got to touch Jesus I've got to reach Jesus I've got to reach through and touch him You want to know what made Jesus stop? It wasn't the throng. It wasn't the praises. It wasn't the amount of people. It's when he said, oh, somebody touched me. Let me tell you what I've determined in day three right here. I'm going to reach for him. Just having a desire and making a decision. It might be enough for some things to get me going. But then there's some issues that might be down deep inside. There might be some sums really down inside. And you know what it's going to require? It's going to require you to push through and touch him. You want to know what makes, makes services, you want to know what makes it so great? Is when somebody says, who touched me? Who touched me? And I want to say that I've made a determination, Lord, that I want to reach for you. I'll say this and move on. But there's something in my spirit that says, you apostolics and you Pentecostals, y'all got real used to my presence. Don't take it for granted. I inhabit the praise of Israel. I inhabit the praise of my people. I inhabit. You want to know why you can say he inhabits the praises of Israel and that still apply to us? Because we are Israel. 
Boy, I know that went over. We are. There ain't but one nation going to be in the earth in the millennial kingdom. There ain't going to be no America. There ain't going to be no Russia. There ain't going to be no Japan. There's going to be Israel, and the Lord is going to rule that from the, from the throne in Jerusalem. But all of the earth is going to be known as There's going to be one nation on this earth. That's all there is, and there's going to be one king. And you know why the scripture can say he inhabits the praises of Israel, and that can apply to us? Not because we're spiritual Israel. No, that's just because by the Spirit we've been grafted into Israel. You apostolics and us Pentecostals, we got real used to the presence of the Lord. But can I say this? I think that I think what I want in my spirit is, Lord, not be satisfied with just you walking in the midst. Not be satisfied with you just and a throng of people worshiping you. But, Lord, I've got, I've got a need in my life. And there's somebody in this building today that decision and desire, it's not enough. You've got to reach for them today. Sometimes you've got to press through and reach for them. Some, and not always because when you reach and you touch him, she was healed instantly. And he said, daughter, you're whole. I don't have to reach every time, but there are times when I do need to reach for him. I don't constantly, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not constantly in dire need that I've got to touch the Lord. That's not, that. no, 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 no. That's not how everybody was, but in this situation it was. And that's just day three. I've got to reach. And then David's words on day one. One thing have I desired, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to dwell in his presence. But as the writer in the reset book said, did we notice the surrounding verses of verse 4? Where verse 1 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh, you speak that in the secret place and there's a power and an authority and a presence that just ushers into our soul. He said, when the evildoers assail me, they come to eat my flesh up, my adversaries and my foes. It's they who will stumble and fall. And verse 3 said, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me yet I will be confident can I say right here before I read the next one I believe that's what the prophet Elisha was in I believe Elisha knew the secret place when the servant said look at here's the enemy all around us we are undone master and he said just take your ease they that are for us are more than they that are against us and here's what he said Lord I'm going to paraphrase Lord take him into the secret secret place and open his eyes that he might see. Can I tell you, if you dwell in the secret place, I don't care what rises against you. I don't care if you're covered on every side. They that are for us are more than they that be against us. Rise from your chair. Rise in your situation and say, God is my strength and my song. All this from your chair in the secret place? Oh, yeah. And I'm here to tell you the secret place isn't, isn't just for a preacher. 
It's for the person who will go there to dwell there. I'm telling you, there's things in the secret place. And I've said this before. It all flows from the secret place. You got it. The Spirit is saying, you got to come to the secret place. The secret place is where it flows from. And without the secret place, hear me, you're relying on somebody else's touch, on somebody else's anointing, on somebody else's song when you don't have to. Now, let me say that does not negate the corporate. No, the corporate is there to strengthen, to edify, to join together with individuals. So we don't get everything from the secret place and say, I don't need nothing from the body. Really, cut your finger off. Let me tell you something. The second you cut your finger off, it's dead. It might look like it's still alive, but it's dead. There's no more blood flowing through it. No more life, no more, it's gone, it's dead. The second it's cut off, it's dead. You cut yourself off from the corporate, you're as good as dying. So I'm not the, the, we, we, don't, we don't do things at the expense of one another. We do them in unity together as God designed it to be so. Verse 5, he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above mine enemies that are all around me. Our dwelling in the secret place will always be contested. We have an enemy that doesn't want us in the secret place with the Lord. So not only do we have to desire and we've got to decide and there's times where we've got to reach but we've also got to fight because the, uh, the secret place will always be contested. The enemy doesn't want you in the secret place. <laughs> I, if we're going to get in the secret place, if we get there, then Satan is going to try to come and take away the word out of our heart. He's going to try to distract us. And one of the reasons why you got to go into a shut door and leave your phone out and leave your social media out and just take pen and paper with you, if something jumps into your head that you know you got to do that day, write it down and then forget it. When you get out of the secret place, then do it. But no phone because distractions are the great enemy to the secret place. Me and my wife were out not too long ago and we sat in a restaurant and we were enjoying one another and I said, I want to enjoy you. I want to love on you. I want, I want to enjoy you. You and me are in this life together. It's not pastor and saint. It is husband and wife, and I want to enjoy you. I want to know you. And while we're talking and we're working things out, I happen to look over, and in the same atmosphere, in the same beautiful ambiance of this wonderful place we were setting, here's a couple just sitting kitty corner. And I never saw them speak one word to one another. It just looked into their phones and they'd done this. There's no intimacy there. You know what you do? You're going through the motions. God doesn't want you to go through the motions. He wants you to know when you have a date with him, you've got to learn to love him. You've got to learn to get intimate with him. You've got to learn to not be distracted by him. I'm telling you, it's a downfall of society, this technology. It has separated us from one another. Social media doesn't connect nothing. It disconnects us. 
You know what social media does? It gets you to pay attention to things that you can't control and don't can't do nothing about and forget about the things that are within your power right in front of you, right in that moment for you to alter. And when you don't take care of what's in front of you right now, it's going to mount up till tomorrow. And you know what we got? We got a bunch of people that are concerned about what's going on here and what's going on there to the point where I got to know what in the world you cooked that day. I'm sorry. I do not care. Yeah, we amen it, sister, and I'm glad we do. But how many of us put stuff on Facebook and then we go back to see how many people liked it? How many people really care? And if we don't get enough likes, we then value our self-esteem based on. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that is a poison. It is a poison. And it is nothing but a great distraction of the world in which we live. So we decide, we have a desire. We decide. We have to reach. But we're going to have to fight and determine. I'm not going to let anything take my time with the Lord. And as we bring it down, every super spiritual person can turn off the broadcast, go to get a drink, go to the restroom right now. For everyone who thinks that everything with God has to be super spiritual, this next part's not for you. Praise God, everybody's staying. Day five was simply this. You need to make an appointment. Super spiritual, make the appointment and keep the appointment. When do I do it? The Bible says seek him early. Well, Daniel prayed three times a day. So seek him early can mean seek him early in the morning. I like to seek him early in the morning. All right, some people's best time is not early in the morning. Some people's best time is in the noonday. Everything's taken care of, everything. Let me tell you when it is. When you, when, when you do it, seek him early in the circumstance. Don't wait for somebody else's counsel. Seek him early. Seek him early in the situ- situation. Seek him early when you need an answer. Seek him early. Seek him in the beginning of it. Right. Don't call him up and say, hey, Lord, this is what I've decided. Seek him early. You want to know the clue to it? Consecrate your best time to God. Whenever that is, whenever your best time is, you consecrate that and you make that God's. And then you make the rest of your life know one thing. This is God's. This is God. I know it's super spiritual. This is God's. If I'm dying, I've got something in my life, and there's a doctor who can give me the answer in this physical body, and I call him up. And he says, let me check the schedule. And he calls me and says, I got an appointment for you at this time. You know what all you'll say? Done. Sounds good. You don't even check the rest of your schedule because, hear me, none of the other, there are things, there are things that go on in life where nothing else matters in life. And if you're dying and you got to get in and see the doctor, it don't matter what else you got on the schedule. You're going to say, that don't matter. I got to get in when you tell me you got an availability for me. There's a key to the secret place right there. God, 
Praise the Lord. Praise break. I, see, I told you it was super spiritual time. We're finishing. Make the appointment and keep the appointment. We said this before. You cannot prioritize your schedule. You have to schedule your priorities. You have to make prayer in the secret place your priority. Everything flows. Everything kingdom flows from the secret place. And finally, and finally, I have found for this reset, I have found for this reset to be effective and in order for me to dwell in the secret place. I don't just want to visit it. I want to dwell it. See, because when you visit it, then it's kind of exclusive to a specific spot. And I think you ought to have a specific spot. Get your chair, your closet. I read somebody told me that some of their students put little things on their door and they flip it over and they say, do not enter. I'm in the secret place. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. But I don't just want to visit the secret place. I want to dwell there. And you see, when you dwell in the secret place, then no matter where you go, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, you dwell in the secret place. And that's why the secret place, God can show you secrets when you're driving. He can show you secrets when you're in the corporate gathering. He can just speak to you about something you didn't have your mind on. While you're meditating and just walking along, sitting in a fishing boat, thinking about the goodness of God, all of a sudden, just all you do is think about the goodness of God, and he just drops an answer to something you prayed about. You go, oh, you know, the secret place. And that doesn't happen because you just occasionally brush by it. No, you don't have children outside of intimacy. I mean, I gotta, let me tell you something. God's not interested in artificial insemination. He's not, a, he's not interested in you just going about another way to get to have something birth within you that is of the kingdom. Bishop Baker said, if you want to know him, if you really want to draw up for a kiss, you can have those, and I can appreciate those. I see my wife. How you doing? But Jake, I want you to try this this month. You won't make it a month. Do you know, no setup getting close to Sister Lauren. You just walk by and go, how's it going? Back at you. Just give her one of these on your way out the door. Just give her. You think that's going to cut it? And it better not cut it. But at some point, at some point in the busyness of life, even in the busyness of every day, you know, outside of the Lord, there's really one person that I've got to make sure knows that they are very important to me. And us men are terrible at this. It's walking up to our wives and saying, you're the most important person in the world for me. Now, some of us haven't been doing this, and then when we want to start doing it, they're going to doubt us for a while. But that's okay. Our actions have proven our mind hasn't really been on that. Now we're shifting. And sometimes the enemy will tell you, oh, you've never been that close to the Lord. Who are you kidding? You can't maintain. That's a lie. This reset is about being the first day of the rest of your life. 
got to snuggle up close. Bishop Baker said, if you really want to get a kiss from the Lord, you got to get up close. And you got to get up intimate. But I have found for this reset to be effective, for me to dwell in the secret place forever, I've got to have an attitude of change. I've got to change. I can't just say no to reckless behaviors and wasteful spending. I've got to say yes to productive things and say yes to righteousness and to have an attitude that says, I need to be changed. Stand with me. I need to change. I have prayed this often unto the Lord and it is a dangerous prayer, so don't pray it unless you mean it. Search me, O oh Lord, and try my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Purge me with hyssop that I may be whiter than snow. Search me, O oh Lord, and try the reins of my heart. Some people say, well, I just believe and I just got in my heart and this is how I feel. Have you not read the scripture that said your heart is desperately wicked and will deceive you? You've got to get to a place where what you know is not your reality, but what God knows about you becomes your reality. And he's got to be able to speak to you and say, son, and I got you to know something this week. The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and he gave me a stern warning. He gave me a warning. I couldn't get away from it for the whole night. And I couldn't wait for the sun to rise to set that right. But I said, but, but, but until then, I set it right with God. And I repented and I said, Lord, I need you to purge me. I need you to grace me. I repent of this thing and I want to set it right. And I want to make sure that I stay on the right path of repentance. You see, repentance is kind of cloaked today. Repentance is cloaked in sorrow and in confession and in tears. And we find a lot of people in the cycle of confessing, sinning and confessing and sinning and crying. And the reason we get into that vicious cycle is because confessing and sorrow and tears is not repentance. Repentance is change. Repentance is about face. I wonder. I ask myself the question, Lord, search me. Lord, I want to I want to desire a life of change. Not a life of remorse. Not a life of sorrow. I want to I want to I want a life of change, Lord. So I ask the Lord, Lord, what needs to change? Can you raise your hand right now? See, our last day today, day number seven. Today, number seven was about what needs to change. Desire. Decide. Reach for God. You got to fight. You got to set the time. You got to be determined. And you got to have a life of change. I don't want to have a life of change. You want to know the best way to live repentance? It's not to change necessary from a discipline standpoint. Somebody comes in and says, this needs to change. And it's a discipline, so I change it. That's okay. 
time to time, that's okay. But you want to know the best way to live a life of change and a life of repentance? It's not, it's not necessarily from a discipline standpoint, but it's as a result of seeing more of Him. In other words, there's never been a time when I've been in the secret place that I've really got in His presence where all of a sudden I didn't want to change. He didn't necessarily have to point anything specifically out to me. Just being in his presence and, and seeing his glory makes me understand, oh, I am not you. I am so far from you. I'm so far from being where I need to be. I want to change. And that's not guilt. That's not condemnation. That's conviction that says, I want to be more like you. So here's how we'll end this service today. When you see him, when you get into his presence, that's when real change happens. What do we do, Pastor? Here's how I'll invite you to come. Anyone whose heart has been pricked by the word of the Lord, anybody whose heart has been pricked by the Spirit today, whether it's been about desire, whether it's been about decision, reaching, whether it's been about the fight, whether it's been about making the appointment and keeping or whether it's about repentance, I invite you to come and move in your seat and simply respond to the word and simply respond to the presence of the Lord. This is a corporate meeting where each and every one of us will allow what God has done in our hearts today to flow from us. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that's just week one. That's just what happened in our individual lives this week. Come on now. Would you come to this altar? Would you come to this altar with a heart, with a desire, with a decision? Would you come here to reach for him? We're going to ask you if you move up, come all the way to the front. Make room for those that are still coming. If you're one of the first ones up, come all the way up to the front. Make room for anybody, anybody that wants to come. Can you just talk to the Lord right now? Can you reach for him with your heart? Lord, put a medal in my spirit. Put a medal in my spirit. Put a fight within my will.